Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is a podcast about and for the philanthropic community in San Antonio and South Texas. We introduce organizations and people who are making an impact in the community. Beneficent Financial is proud to sponsor this podcast, and it is our hope that you enjoy this conversation about the impact we can have. The goal is to edify and inspire. Now, please join our host, Dan Rebman. Thanks for joining me today on Philanthropy SA. This is your host, Dan Redman, and I'm joined today by the CEO of Project Transformation, Charlotte Bell. Uh, Charlotte, great to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Dan. So I have had the pleasure of getting to uh, work with Charlotte in a church format for a long time. Our kids overlap a little bit in uh, in Sunday school and that type of thing, and so we've done some some stuff there together, but I was very excited to find out that uh, Charla is the new CEO at Project Transformation, and so was very eager to get her to come on and talk about that with us today. So, Charla, kind of what motivated you to get involved in the not-for-profit world? Well, my parents are people who were always serving. My mom is a teacher, and she also always served at church, and my dad has always been involved in civic uh organizations. He was the band booster president and the athletic booster president. And uh, I watched my parents serve other people my whole life. So then when I went to college, I knew that that was going to be part of my life too. And I got involved in a couple of organizations and learned pretty quickly that um, everybody was afraid of fundraising because they didn't want to ask people for money. I learned I was pretty good at it because I don't mind asking people for money when I believe in the work that we're doing. And so that kind of became my role in the organizations that I participated in at Texas A&M. Whoop. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad you got that in. Yeah. Um, wanted to uh, find out, so what was it that made you go from being kind of that support person, fundraiser, volunteer type to, okay, I'm going to run an organization now? <laughs> I think a lot of life experience. At 20, I was happy to lead the fundraising arm of a pretty large organization. I had my own team, um, but I would never have applied as the executive director of the organization. It's just not how I saw myself. But I have grown a lot since then. I've had kids. I've been a teacher. I've been invited to speak at national conventions for teaching. Um, I've preached from a pulpit. And I think with each experience that God has led me towards, he's just opened a door and said, walk through. Um, And so I've trusted him and have, and it's the same with this organization. I, I never thought that this is the work I would be doing. And, um, it is simultaneously thrilling and terrifying, but it is good, important, hard work that I am grateful to be part of. Very good. So it just kind of sounds like it's been a, a journey step by step, the proverbial road less traveled, and you know, and here you are. Um, but at some point or other, a road brought you to San Antonio and that type of thing. So yes. tell us about that and your husband, Darren, and your boys and all that. Yeah. So we moved to San Antonio in 2008. I like to 
tease my husband that it's uh, we're here because it was his first real job. Um, he had to do lots of training to do the work that he does. And when we moved here, our boys were five and one and a half. And our younger son um, had been pretty ill for the last year of his life. And so when we moved here, I took the opportunity to stop working for a little while and try to get him well. And it it changed my path. I, I was a teacher. I thought I'd always be a classroom teacher. I loved it. And um, then when I stopped teaching, I got involved in other things, taking care of my family, got really involved in church. And before I knew it, um, our pastor, our pastor, Dan, um, asked me to step in as the children's ministry director. And as they say, the rest is history. Um I started working at a church and more than I ever thought possible, loved that work as well and felt called to it, loved serving people and serving God and did it for eight years, the last couple of years of which um, I started seminary. The more I got to serve God and serve people, the more I knew God was calling me deeper. And so I followed that call to seminary and um, just graduated this last May and thought I would be working in a church still, and God had different ideas. Uh, you are working in a church. I am. I'm working in many local churches. That's, that's it. the That's the twist there is that um, I get to work with all kinds of church people and in all kinds of church situations. It's wonderful. Well, that sounds like a great segue into telling us about Project Transformation. So let us know what Project Transformation is and what you all do. I'd love to. So Project Transformation Rio, Texas is one chapter of a national network, nine different chapters across mostly the southeast of the United States. Our chapter started in San Antonio and then expanded to Austin and the Valley. And we have five sites. Our purpose um, revolves around meeting the challenges of the three C's with one solution. The three C's are children, college age, young adults, and churches. So let me sort of map that out for us. <clears throat> we serve children. Specifically, we um, work with children for the purpose of improving their literacy skills. We also work on social emotional learning. And we do this through summer camps primarily. We also have an after school program. And the way we do this is our second C, college-age young adults. Um, Our college-age young adults are the ones who lead our camps, our after-school programs. We train and equip them. But we like to say they're not just a means to an end. They're an end and of themselves. Our whole purpose with them is to help them discern their future vocation, to give them workforce skills. Um, Monday through Thursday in our summer camp, it's an eight-week camp, Monday through Thursday, we serve our kids. Our young adults are leading our children every day. They literally do every facet of camp, of course, with the support of the permanent staff and our church uh, staff and volunteers at each of our sites, which I'll get there. Um, But on Fridays, we really work with our young adults to help them think about what it is, what their gifts are, what it is God could be calling them toward. Um, It's really fun to watch a young adult who is maybe an accounting major suddenly realized that those accounting skills could be used at a food bank, for example, because um, 
the world needs a wide variety of folks who choose to be servant leaders. And that's what our hope is for our young adults, is that they learn to be servant leaders through the course of the summer. All of this work takes place in churches. So our summer camps happen in churches where um, we serve in under-resourced neighborhoods. That's key. Um, Our churches also, we have partner churches who provide all of our volunteers. Every day part of our literacy program is a one-to-one reading program where we have a volunteer come in and read with a child for 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes. And um, that's a huge part of our literacy program. We know that two things improve uh, children's reading ability. One is having books in the home, literally just having access to books. So we do a lot of giving books away. I should just add that as a side note. And then second of all is having someone to read with, to hear them read and to read to. And so we provide that as part of our camps every day. And it takes an army of volunteers to get that done. Um, so that's the sea of church, both in churches as well as supported by our partner churches and volunteers. Um, that's the three C's, one solution. Um, it's, we, I think the thing that makes us really unique is that we are a triple bottom line organization. Every dollar that we receive goes towards three important goals. It is serving children. It is serving our young adults as they serve children. And it is helping our churches reach into their communities so that they can build relationships with families, with um, the people who live around their actual church building, which unfortunately um, is not always a priority. And so we help them. We equip our churches with this tool of our camps and our program um, so that they can build relationships. We really believe that it is relationships that transform lives. That's awesome. Um, when we think about the types of the constituencies that you serve and that type of thing, I'm struck by the fact that um, there's been some discussion with other guests on the podcast before about the notion of upstream and downstream within mm-hmm. within you know the the services space and the fact that if you can get in front of a problem um, earlier on, that it saves you know society a huge amount of pain and anguish down the road and from a strictly financial sense, you know, the monies that get spent on on other things. And I think that reading is certainly one of those things that kind of falls into that category. It is. um, Particularly third grade is that year that – it's the year that you no longer are learning to read, but you're reading to learn. So – a student has to be able to read to learn science, and by the, particularly by the second half of third grade. Um, and that goes for every subject. So if, if we don't help our children by the end of third grade to be reading on grade level, we can actually draw a really clear line between a student's ability to read on grade level in third grade and their ability to succeed in the future. That looks like graduation. That looks like post-graduation. The statistics are always changing, but that statement still rings true. There's a direct line between reading on grade level and third grade and future success. And how do you measure the success of your program in terms of 
you know, knowing whether or not you're having that impact in these, you know, in the lives of the children and then also in the lives of your uh, young adults that are helping out. Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, it gives me an opportunity to say that we are data driven and um, as an educator, that's really important to me. We pretest all of our children at the beginning of camp. We learn where they are and then we post test them the last week of camp. 98% of our children this past summer either maintained or improved their reading level. What that means, Dan, in teacher terms is that we beat the summer slide. We absolutely made sure that 98% of the kids who came through our program went back to school at the same level or better than they were. So it wasn't this desert of learning over the summer, which can so easily happen. Um, for our young adults, we do the same thing. We pre-test them or pre-survey them really is the right word. We ask them a bevy of questions um, about where they are in their vocational discernment, what they hope to learn and, and how they hope to grow through the course of the summer. And then we follow up and ask the same questions at the end of the summer from a place of, were you able to accomplish these things? Um, how do you feel like you've grown? Can you give us some both uh, hard data as well as I love the qual the qualitative statements that we often get at the end of the summer. That's really where I see I see that there is uh, vast improvement. My favorite question that we ask is um, at the end of the summer is like from a scale of absolutely agree to don't agree at all. Project transformation was a life changing experience. Ninety three percent of our interns this summer said that project transformation was a life changing experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. And as any parent of young adults knows, that's the hard thing to do is to get it them is. to, you know, to do that. But we don't have time to delve into all that today. <laughs> so um, this is actually probably a great time for us to uh, stop and take a quick word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Many of you out there care deeply about wanting to make an impact on the world around you. You want to help take care of the people and organizations that are important to you. And we understand that because we feel the same way. Beneficent Financial wants to help you. Our mission is to help people like you with professional, individualized financial advice achieve their objectives. Whether your financial legacy will stay within your family or benefit the community at large, we are able to help. Call Beneficent Financial today, 210-999-5511. In addition to traditional wealth management, we offer philanthropic services such as direct donations of required minimum distributions, donor-advised funds, and foundations. Call 210-999-5511 or go online to beneficentfinancial.net. Let us help you do well so you can do good. Securities offered through Momentum Independent Network. Member SIPC slash FINRA. Thanks for joining us. This is Dan Redman. I'm the host of Philanthropy SA and very pleased to be joined today by Char LaBelle who's the CEO of Project Transformation. Um, she's been sharing with us some of the great stuff that's been going on with Project Transformation and, and kind of their mission and everything. Um, so you mentioned how you're serving these three groups simultaneously, the three C's, as you said. That sounds like it's difficult. How do you balance that? Does that create tensions or how do you, 
how do you handle doing three things all at once? Mm. Well, I'm never bored. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a great staff. I think that's the first thing I want to say is that I have an incredible staff. And together, every day, we um, prioritize the people that we're serving and whatever that looks like for that day. There are some intrinsic challenges with this work. It is necessarily faith-based. We uh, exist in churches, and um, we are non-proselytizing, and that's essential for us. We never want children, families, um, young adults to feel like they have to profess some sort of faith in order to receive the services that we give. It's really critical for the work that we do. We do believe in relationships, and you and I both know that uh, the center for that desire to be in relationship with others is because that's how we're created by God, and um, that's what propels me and my team to do the work that we do. We believe that relationships change lives. I got to watch 20-year-olds make a huge impact in the lives of kids who came to camp thinking that because they were struggling with reading, their self-worth was incredibly low. I got to watch interns make a difference in the way they saw themselves um, because relationships change lives. So... To answer your question, we walk a fine line. There's some tension for sure between uh, why we do our work, the cause of Christ, our faith that we hold, and then who we serve and and how we serve them. It's important because our, our funders um, often are not faith-based, and that's because the work that we do is critical for society, as you just pointed out. Reading is foundational for our children's success. Having workforce readiness is foundational for the future of our um, San Antonio and Austin and the Rio Grande Valley and the rest of the world, quite frankly. So we uh, provide important services, um, but our why is maybe a little different than some organizations. So, but the people who are getting served, they don't have to come from a particular faith background or they're not... If they come from a different faith background, that's not going to be something where that's going to get challenged. In not terms at all. Of- no. And we we welcome everyone. We want everyone to be part of our community. Project Transformation is such a special – it's a special place and, and it's a special thing. And we want everybody around the table. So, no, we do not um, – we have people from all kinds of faith backgrounds and, and some who aren't from any faith background. And it actually creates awesome conversations and opportunities to grow together, to learn more about each other. Um, it's really good work. Outstanding. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you face, you know, as you're looking forward? You know, your program is, as you mentioned, you, you do the after-school stuff, but the biggest piece of your program, it's a summer-intensive mm-hmm. Program And so what's your biggest challenge now that you've wrapped up, you know, kind of that first summer under your belt? So I'd say there's two. Uh, The first is that it is surprisingly difficult to um, find interns. This is the smallest generation 
in a very long while. There's just not very many Gen Zers, and there is more opportunity than there has ever been. And so helping our uh, potential interns see that a summer of service is going to help them grow and become the people they want to be on the other side of college um, sometimes can be a hard sell. It is work. We pay them well. We also house them and feed them. So there's a lot of, of good things that come with being part of our team, but it is also hard work. And uh, I think a challenge that we have is helping people who are maybe not education majors or ministry majors or social work majors, people who are engineers or um, in the business world, see that the skills that they will gain by leading, because our interns truly lead these camps. They're the ones talking to parents. They're the ones leading out the small groups with our children. They're the ones in charge of serving lunch and, and um, I mean, every facet of camp. So that's true leadership opportunities, and it teaches them to be servant leaders and helping people who maybe don't see the work that they're growing going into as being a servant leadership area or seeing the importance of leading that way might take some convincing. Um, this summer we really needed 28 to 30 interns and we had 22, which means that we had to turn away about a hundred kids in the Austin area in particular mm -hmm. that, um, needed and asked for our services and we just didn't have enough interns to go around. And so that is a huge challenge and one we are already working on for next summer. The second one, and I'm guessing that a lot of the folks that you talk to on this uh, podcast answered this way, it's, it's always funding. Um, we know we do good work, but it's this cyclical thing where we need to be bigger to show our funders that we have this potential, but we can't get bigger till we have more funding. Um, we know our quality is there. We are working on quantity, but quantity is definitely tied to funding. So um, I have some great opportunities in front of me. It's a good thing I've been fundraising since I was 20 years old. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still waiting for the first guest to come in and say, oh, yeah, we're rolling in dough. No problem with at all. So, um, but, uh, no, that's, that's exciting. And uh, with your background, um, you know, in fundraising and all of that, it's going to be an opportunity for you to, uh, to do that. Um, so, you know, we've talked about challenges. We've talked about some of those types of things. Um, project Transformation is actually part of a bigger organization or, or your Project Transformation Rio, Texas, which covers, you know, Austin, San Antonio, down to the Valley, um, that area. But there's, you know, the organization itself um, is, if not national, at least regional in terms mm -hmm. of its coverage. So what's that like working with a national organization and having them, you know, kind of oversee what you're doing, but kind of not, you know, how much autonomy is there? How much mm -hmm. is there, you know, things that you, you know, have to do that way? Well, so I'm really new. and I'm going to do my best to answer this. We are a national network. There are nine chapters. Um, three of those chapters are actually in Texas, but we span all the way to Georgia. Um, all of all of our chapters look differently because we are all in different contexts. And so we adapt in ways that make sense in our context. 
We have the same curriculum for our summer camps. We have our core curriculum. We have lots of freedom to adapt it, but same core curriculum. Our model is roughly the same, but it gets carried out in slightly different ways. National is there to support us. I, I send emails almost daily, probably asking questions, especially as a new person. And it's been great to have them to lean on. They also are in some ways quality control, for lack of a better way of saying it. At the end of every summer, we um, submit a local chapter report that has all of that data that I was just talking about in it. That's how I can quote these things off the top of my head. We just spent three weeks crunching numbers and and making sense of all the things that we learned this summer so that we could submit it. We just submitted it yesterday. Exciting. <laughs> um, so it is, it is challenging, but it is also good. And I am grateful for my counterparts. I'm grateful that um, my staff has someone doing the same job in another locale that they can call and say, how, how have you met this challenge? I'm encountering this kind of difficulty. Can you give me some advice? That's really nice to be able to reach out and ask someone who's doing the same job as you, um, just in a different location. Outstanding. Yeah, it's it. We we sometimes can get in our own little cocoons mm-hmm. and think, you know, oh no, this is just me, and I'm the only one facing with this, or there's a, that issue. And when you get a chance to talk to other people, sometimes just the act of, you know, sharing war stories. You know, mm-hmm. will help people kind of feel more like, okay, I get this now. This isn't, you know, it's not just me. They're yes. not picking on me. So let's go back in time. Let's uh, go back to 20-year-old Charla on the Texas A&M campus mm-hmm. um, doing her thing. Would she be surprised at, at Charla today at what you're doing? She would be shocked. Um, I love to teach, and I even knew at 20 that I loved to teach probably because I'd been teaching at Vacation Bible School and in Sunday school my whole life. Um, It's what I thought I would do forever is be a classroom teacher specifically. And even when I stepped out, I was 10 years in, I stepped out, I thought, just to stay home with my son for a couple of years and try to get him healthy. And I thought I'd be right back at it. But before I could, my pastor talked to me into children's ministry director and and it feels like one thing just led to another from there. And here I am – Back in this place where my two worlds collide, right? My background in education is critical for the work that I'm doing now, and so is my background in ministry. And and so I feel really lucky that I've gotten to walk this very circuitous path to this place. But 20-year-old Sharla would be shocked. Very good. Well, hopefully well-pleased. I mean, I think so. I think she'd be impressed that I am braver than I was. That's the word I'd use. Is um, It's the word that I struggled with the whole time I was discerning whether or not to even apply for this role. And then through the entire um, interview process and then certainly all summer as I watched my amazing predecessor, Cursita, um, and shadow her, shadowed her and learned from her. I kept thinking, I just don't know if I'm brave enough to do this. And and I'm still here for now. So and, <laughs> and I plan to be here tomorrow. So um anyway, that's oh, what I'd I, say. 
I have a hunch we'll be uh, getting to hear about project transformation for a long time under your stewardship, and I'm excited about that. Thank you, Dan. So. I appreciate your friendship. Likewise. Um, anything else you want to make sure that we cover? Well, I think that this podcast is set to come out just as Big Give in San Antonio is happening. Hopefully, yes. Okay. Part of that's on Mark. Depends on uh, <laughs> Mark's our producer, and he's in the room with his thumbs up, so I think we're going to be okay. So I would like to encourage anyone listening to um, go to our Big Give page. We are Project Transformation Rio, Texas, and give to the work that we're doing. I hope that what you've heard today has um, convinced you that it is worth giving to. Well, she wouldn't be a good CEO or fundraiser without the ask. Amen. Good, good yes. Job, Sherla. <laughs> okay. So this is Dan Redman on behalf of uh, Philanthropy SA. We just want you to continue to do well so you can do good. Thank you for joining us at Philanthropy SA. We hope you found something to inspire you during today's conversation. If you know organizations and people who are making an impact in the community, we would love to hear about it. Until next time, do well so you can do good.